Hey, what's going on, influencers? Welcome back to the Stan Rada podcast, where we are equipping and developing Christian influencers. If you are someone that wants to grow your influence and lead a life of significance, I think you've made a great decision uh, to listen in on this podcast today. And I'm really excited about the topic today. There's some great stuff coming your way. Uh, I have a conversation with a friend of mine named Jody Corbett, uh, who is a new lifer, goes to church, uh, to our church here at New Life in Northern Virginia. But he's a, a great strategic kind of thinker and the way he thinks through things. So he's got a great strategic mind. And he's actually been coming into staff meetings recently, kind of challenging our staff with uh, perceptions and angles and perspective and uh, faulty assessment and all this really interesting stuff uh, that we're learning a, a lot from. And he was in our uh, staff meeting a couple weeks ago. He was walking through uh, what he called the four stages of adult development. And by the time I got done taking notes, I went up to him after the staff meeting and just said, Hey, Jody, uh, I would love to have you on uh, as a guest on the podcast just to share this information because it is so good, so valuable uh, to people who are in ministry, leading teams and working with other people. And so I have my friend Jody Corbett on the show today. We are going to be discussing the four stages of adult development, and you got you got to hang in on this conversation. You're not going to want to miss the great stuff uh, that he has to say. So without further ado, uh, let's jump into that conversation with Jody Corbett. All right, with me now is my friend Jody Corbett. Uh, Jody, how you doing today, my friend? Good, sir. How are you? I'm doing very well, man. I'm better now that I get to talk to you again. I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, Jody, uh, just real quick, uh, just for everybody's information, let everybody know uh, kind of who uh, who we're chatting with here. Why don't you tell uh, just tell our listeners uh, how you got connected to New Life, how you and I got to know each other. Give us some background on you. Yeah, absolutely. Um so we've been going to another church in the area. Uh, our son really wasn't connecting with the youth program there. Our neighbors had been attending New Life and had recommended us to come check it out. So we did. We went to New Life, um, really just kind of fell in love with the mission. Um, I, I especially fell in love with it kind of right away. I think one of the, the things I love about New Life is, because um, I play indoor soccer there as well, you, know, you go to most churches on a, a weeknight, on any weeknight, and they're pretty much dead. I mean, maybe yeah. you have one room being used as like a Bible study or something like that. But when you go to the end zone on any night of the week, it's alive. I mean, there's kids yeah. in there playing, there's adults playing, there's a lot of interaction, um, and it's that way until 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's kind of what God calls us to, is to, to kind of being there for the community and, and building into the community. Um, obviously, I know the Linton Hall campus is doing the same thing, um, and, and just kind of being there and bridging that gap uh, between kind of the secular world and, and the God of the universe that loves them. And I just, I love it. I think it's a great mission, and it really just spoke to my heart. Yeah, so I've been going there now for, um, I think, five years and have really enjoyed it, gotten plugged in, was really moved after the Moore series. Yeah, tell, uh, me, tell me more about that. Yeah. So, you know, I really, I, I took the time um, each week and kind of really focused on the chapter and did a lot of the studies and, and a lot of the, you know, several of the chapters had you actually doing some activities and exercises to kind of process through where you were. Um, and that series really came along at a time for me where 
I was really challenging a lot of things going on in my life. Like, okay, God, what, where is it you're calling me to be? What is it I need to be focused on or doing? And so going through that series really opened up a lot of stuff. Um, and, and it moved me to actually set up a time where I had a conversation with Brett, just kind of like, Hey, I feel like God's moving in this, but I don't know what it means. Um, and he recommended I sit down and talk with Todd Wilson, who yeah. was the author of that author of that book. Yep. And and Todd and I had a really good conversation, and we kind of covered a lot of ground. And, and he answered a lot of the questions I had, and kind of gave me some advice and some guidance on on what potential next steps would be. And one of the first things he said was, "You need to go back and you need to talk to Pat Ferguson and to Brett, and figure out a way how you can get engaged with the ministry staff at at New Life." And um, so I did. I, I went back and I sat down with them, um, and I, I kind of explained some of the things that I could bring to the table, one of them being uh, kind of a strategic thinking, collaboration, leadership piece that I've been teaching um, through work. And um, they really appreciated that and really wanted to see see more of that kind of getting instilled on the staff at, at New Life. So they invited me to come in, and I was able to sit in on several early meetings and just kind of be the silent observer and, and see stuff going on and uh, you know, speak up. <laughs> that was speak. very odd. That was very odd to see you randomly in the room, literally in the corner a couple of times just watching. And it was like, who is that guy? And why is he just hanging out in the room? Yeah. That, and, that and, was you know, very Pat interesting. Was, yeah, Pat, Pat did, you know, he, he introduced me, but I don't think, you know, I mean, I think he shared kind of why I was there. Yeah, yeah. But for like, if you're on staff every day, and all of a sudden there's this new guy sitting there, it's like <laughs> you know, and you weren't in the first meeting, you didn't hear why the new right. guy's sitting there. So yeah, it was absolutely very funny. And I had some folks going to me like, "So what are you doing so again? Who are you? What's up? Yeah. What's going? On? Yeah, that's that's awesome. And for for what it's worth, for everybody listening, Brett Andrews is the uh, senior minister at our church. He planted New Life back in 1993. Pat Ferguson is our uh, executive uh, minister right now, and so that's those are the two names there that uh, Jody just referenced for you guys. So, all right, Jody, back to you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I, I started to sit in um, and, and kind of seeing how the staff worked and seeing how the the ministry team there functioned as an organization. Um, got a chance to meet obviously with you and, and Mike Fuster, the campus pastor there at Chantilly. Yep. Um, and kind of hear some of the, the struggles, challenges, blessings, awesome things that were going on in both of your ministries, and just be able to give some kind of feedback. And obviously that's, that's how you and I got to know each other yep. uh, much better. And um, So between those large group staff meetings and then the smaller campus pastor meetings, I really enjoy just getting plugged in with the church and, and seeing the direction they're going in and, and having some of the strategic conversations, um, which anybody who attends New Life it doesn't take you long to figure out that there's definitely a strategic vision for what the church is trying to do. So they, they've had a lot of these conversations. Um, but anybody who knows anything about strategy recognizes that, you know, strategies do take, you know, you, you go back and you tweak them and you relook at them. And yeah. depending on what, what the strategy is and kind of what your goal or time frame is to accomplish the strategy, you know, you may revisit it every three months or every six months. Some of the strategies you only revisit every year because, you know, I think things like, hey, we want to make new life a safe place for people to come to learn more about God, that's not going to change much. No. Um, you know, that that strategy, that goal is going to kind of always be out there. The thing you have to relook at is how are we reaching that goal? You know, what is it that we're doing now? So maybe that's the yearly, okay, what did we do this past year that worked well to creating a safe place for people to come and know about God? 
and what did we try that didn't work out so well or we didn't get maybe the turnout or it wasn't marketed well or, you know, people just, there wasn't a lot of conversation because people didn't feel comfortable talking about it. Why, why was that? Those types of things are the kind of things that you want to look at for strategy purposes. Right. Um, yeah. and, and clearly New Life is already doing much of that. Uh, but did you kind of that, that tweak, tweaking or, or revisiting some of those those yeah. objectives? But but also like you said, using the the more material to then take your next step in how God has wired you uniquely uh, <laughs> to be able to use that gift set and those talents uh, uh, to support the church that you attend and that you love and and the staff and all that. I mean, I I think that that stuff is. I, I just think that stuff's fantastic. So you you came in. You started kind of doing the strategy stuff with uh, Mike, as you referenced, myself and Pat. Then that kind of springboarded into like kind of the larger staff stuff as well. You were part of that. Um, we have bonded over the last few weeks over things like puzzles that eight-year-olds can do that not a single staff person in the room could figure out. Yeah, um, that was upsetting, by the way. <laughs> you should very have been upsetting. very disappointed in us. Uh the the stuff with the was it the straws and or uh, the um, the little puzzle piece and the T shape and all this stuff was going on, but trying to help us think strategically, change how we think. We've talked about perspectives and perceptions and uh, just kind of how we see things and how we understand the world around us. I mean, we've been digging into some really great stuff. To be honest with you, I mean, we've really been diving in. I've been I've been loving those conversations for sure. So you're bringing a lot to the table. Um, in a lot of ways. So, Good. What... Well, I'm glad glad it's been helpful. And um, yeah, I, I would say for any of your listeners out there uh, who didn't participate in the More series, um, that book is very pivotal in the sense that you know I think especially for for folks who you know love the Lord, Type A personalities, kind of hard charging. I, I like the More book because it really gets you to focus on what do you do well. Um, and one of the things they talked about there was your sweet spot. And you yep. kind of mentioned before kind of finding those gifts, skills, and talents where with very little effort, you can get a lot of results done. And I think, you know, a lot of us have grown up with kind of looking at the areas where we can and trying to improve in those areas as opposed to taking the things that we do well and working in those areas and then finding the areas, understanding the areas where we can. And instead of trying to, necessarily spend a lot of time and effort fixing those areas, partnering up or collaborating with people who are strong in those areas yes. to help us, you know, to kind of make up for our weaknesses, but stay in our sweet spot, stay in the thing that, that God gave us the ability to do very, very well with very little effort. Yes. Um, and, and using that to build the kingdom and, but understanding where we're weak and where we need to have folks plugged in with us. Um, you know, and I, I think that's one of the big things that we've been talking, hopefully, uh, in the staff meetings about things like the world, you know, wrong worldview, lack of empathy, those types of things. Yep. That folks can recognize, hey, I'm, I know I'm stronger in this area, not as much in this area, so I need to keep doing what I'm doing well uh, for the kingdom building, but I need to also find somebody else who can walk alongside of me that is strong in these other areas. Absolutely. That I, can, I can use kind of a voice of reason. So. Yep. Absolutely. I totally agree. I, you know what, Jody, the more you talk, the more I think I could like have you on like to the show like five or six times and like turn this into like a, a like a major series or something. So we'll, 
we'll have to uh, have that discussion, man. There's so much good stuff uh, right there. Um, but the, the specific topic I definitely wanted you to uh, chat uh, with us about today uh, was the topic that we actually spoke about um, just, uh, well, at least as of the date of this recording, just about a week and a half ago um, at our staff meeting. And you came in and we had a, a, an hour-long discussion on uh, what you called the four stages of adult development and something in the language and just the way you were uh, walking us through some of the stuff, the descriptions, the terminology, I started to think there's some really good stuff here for, um, for teams, for ministry application. And so I was hoping you might just kind of walk us through uh, those four stages of adult development that you referenced. And then you and I can just talk a little bit about how that, uh, how that can really impact uh, ministry uh, just from having an understanding of these things. So if you would just kind of jump into that and uh, share those with us. Um, yeah, so there's four conventional stages of adult development, and then there's three post-conventional. The, the post-conventional are such a small percentage um, of the population and of leadership that uh, you know it's kind of tough to find those those folks in the uh, the workplace. Um, yeah, I'm one um, of those, Jody. Just so you know, I'm that one percent. You know, so I, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt we don't it. want to talk about that though. I can't give away my secrets. No, you're definitely one of the synergist alchemist type folks, uh, clearly. <laughs> um, so, and there's you know there's been a lot of research out there, and you can Google. There's all kinds of information, um, and and these these topics that we'll talk about today can be applied both to an individual, but also to within an organization or a, a team or a unit um, as well. So, the first uh, stage in the conventional stages of adult development is the opportunist, and uh, the opportunist. Really is kind of you know I, I kind of explain it as kind of my teenage son, yeah. Um, very much focused on uh, you know kind of this me against them uh, unilateral power. Uh, they have very short time horizons that they're looking at. Um, you know, Mike make Mike makes right. You snooze, you lose. They act very quickly and without deliberation. It's very much an I focused stage and the adult stages of development. Uh, basically, I'm in charge. I get to do what I want to do right now. They don't mm. think a lot about consequences. Um, they really view rules as kind of a loss of freedom. Um, yeah. They, they can be helpful if you give them concrete tasks and ideas. A lot of the way that you're going to get folks that are in the opportunist stage to work, it's very much a tit for, uh, versus tat kind of relationship where, hey, if you do blank for me, then I'll do blank for you. And it has to be something that they're going to view as being beneficial for themselves, um, you know. But again, if you if you kind of think about this, you know, some of the things I've described, it sounds very much like a teenager. Yeah, you know, the, yeah. the world kind of revolves around them, and and they want to be, you know, this is kind of your early teen uh, mindset. Uh, and that, that's what they're focused on. Yeah, I would say that sounds exactly like every conversation I've had with my teenage son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but the, the good thing, you know, there are some strengths, uh, leadership strengths that come in the opportunist stage. Okay. Uh, they're very good in emergencies. They can make decisions quickly. Now, the, the thing you have to consider is they make decisions quickly, but they're making decisions based off of what's best for them. So, mm. you know, not necessarily what's best for the organization or best for the team. It's what's best for them. But... If you got to make decisions quickly, they're the ones that, that can help you do that. They okay. work very well alone, um, and again, they, they have a short time focus. But if you've got you know a quick task that you just need to get done, an opportunist with enough motivation for themselves, 
um, could, could easily handle that for you. Okay. Uh, the, obviously, the problem with the opportunist is is that they're not looking at long-term consequences. They don't really have a lot of trust and respect among their peers because they don't trust and respect their peers because they're assuming that their peers are thinking the same way they are, and so their peers are just out for themselves. Yeah. Um, much like they're out for themselves. And, and they don't think there's anything wrong with that. They just don't, you know, it's not in the best interest of them. And they're really focused on kind of the, the me or the I focus. Huh. Um, Interesting. And generally, they're unable to maintain consistent policies, procedures, um, you know, regulations, things like that, because, again, they view these rules as a loss of freedom. It's something that's going to take away from their ability to do what they want to do when they want to do it. Right. Um, yeah. Which obviously creates a whole litany of issues. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but generally what happens is as they grow and as they develop, they realize that, Hey, this little Island of me that they've been sitting on isn't all that great. And they start looking around them and things like peers start to become a greater influence. And they realize, Hey, maybe there's more safety in numbers. Um, and so they start kind of changing their it's all about me mindset to okay well I don't necessarily want to be the standout I'd rather blend in with the crowd um, mm. which moves us into the next uh, stage of adult development which is what we call the diplomat stage and in the diplomat stage um, we're you're finding folks who they recognize the fact that the group is stronger than the individual um, they really they don't mind following rules and social norms as long as there's no conflict within the group uh, they're very much willing team players. Uh, you know, they're very loyal to the group. They're loyal to the organization. These are the folks who kind of will be the glue to hold organizations together. Um, they will, if the group is going in a particular direction, even though they may not understand or want to go in that direction, to avoid conflict within the group, they'll they'll go along with it generally. Um, so in this stage, we're kind of moving into a we mentality where, yeah. you know, we all together are going to be better than the me or the I that was with the opportunist stage. Um, they don't mind. So they're not against conflict as long as it's not conflict within their group. Um, mm. They are very much, uh, you know, if conflict has to arise, they're okay with conflict as long as it's with other groups, not within their own. Got it. They really do look for saving face. Like, they don't want to be called out. So, you know, if you've got the diplomat that you're working with, um, you know, where the opportunist would take personal feedback or criticism and, and they would view it as a, an attack on them as an individual and like, okay, well, you know, you just don't understand because obviously you don't have the right priorities because your priorities aren't putting them first. Your priorities are as a leader, you know, putting the organization first. Well, they're not going to, you, you know, in their view – you don't get it because you're not focused on them and what they're trying to do. With the diplomat, they take personal feedback and criticism as, oh my gosh, am I not fitting into the group? Yeah. And that, that is something that would be upsetting for them because they don't want to be seen as not being part of the group. You know, they are yeah. in, they're, you know, they're avoiding independent action. Um, and so that can create issues with them. Some of the strengths that you'll find having diplomats within your organization, you're going to have um, very reliable, highly loyal. Uh, these are folks who are, are going to maintain those policies and procedures and regulations because they realize that the whole group's doing it, so they're going to do it. Yeah. Um, and, and that they, you know, they don't mind seeking, um, 
you know, colleagues favor kind of a people pleaser if it if it means avoiding conflict within the group, which is good because that you know that kind of is good for group cohesion and moving forward. Yeah, I was going to say I was glad I was glad you brought up the reliable and highly loyal uh, kind of the supportive glue you said on the team because I, I do believe that that's a you know there are those people out there who fit into this kind of this stage of development and those people are they're they're necessary at some level on teams to kind of be that you know kind of reliable I'll follow through kind of person I guess and so yeah I was I was glad you you got to that cuz I think that's really good really important on the team yeah no and you, and you have to have diplomats and and we'll talk a little bit later about the numbers and kind of where the percentage breakdowns of the general population okay, versus the, the leadership uh, components are That's within awesome. each of these stages of development um but obviously the the problem some of the challenges you're going to run into with the diplomat stage are the fact that because they don't want to stand out if they're in a leadership role you're not going to be able to affect really any change um because they're they're not going to want to change anything, you know. They're not going to want to create any upsy uh, daisies for the group. They're not going to change any, you know, anything that's going to be seen as confrontational or, or potential conflict mm. within the group. Um, so if you're in a situation or you're in an organization where change is is pretty constant, a diplomat may not be somebody you want in a leadership role for that unit or that that particular program or project. Uh, because it's going to create problems for them because they're not going to want to do anything that's going to change the, the group norms. Um, okay. Yeah, good to know. Um, you know, the, and the problem also is if you have folks who aren't diplomats being supervised by a diplomat, they may feel a sense of stagnation or disillusionment because nothing ever seems to change. Hmm. Um, so, you know, it kind of depends on what your, your job role is. If, if the job role is making widgets and you, you figured out the absolute best way to make widgets and that's never going to change, then having a diplomat over that function is great because they're going to keep the team together to get the widgets made. Um, and, and hopefully you have diplomats within that unit and so you can just continue to make the widgets. But if you're doing something that requires innovation or challenging thought or exploratory ideas, diplomat probably is not the person you want to put in a leadership role yeah. Yeah, this is really good stuff for leaders, uh, specifically in the ministry context, uh, senior leaders, uh, campus pastors, ministry leads, whatever, to be aware of this as they're building teams, as they're uh, kind of noticing stuff in people. It helps to kind of going back a little bit to what you said with more and getting into that sweet spot helps you to kind of navigate that a little bit. So this is really good for uh, for ministry leaders to be thinking through and being able to recognize some of these things in their people um, teams and volunteers based on stuff they're saying helps them to get them into the right uh, right positions, right seat on the bus, as we say sometimes at New Life. But uh, that that's really good stuff right there. Um, yeah, and I would also just say that, you know, I, I probably should have said this um, prior to, but these adult stages of development are independent of like your Myers-Briggs personality tests and stuff like that. These are just adult stages that everyone will go through at some point. Some folks top out um, you know, my wife is, is a diehard diplomat. You know, she really tries to avoid conflict at, at almost all costs. Um, but there's times where she will move into the next stage, which we'll talk about, which is the expert stage. Okay. Um, but but her, her primary role is, or her primary kind of where she feels comfortable, her sweet spot, spot is in that diplomat stage. Doesn't And once you go into a stage, you can always revert back to another stage. Um, and like I said, even though you may work in a particular area, um, at this particular time, 
you can also reach to the stage above you, and as I mentioned, always go back to the one below where you are as well. And, and I think that's really interesting too, because as you've been talking, and as I'm kind of reviewing my notes even from the staff meeting a, a, a week or so ago, one of the things I was thinking about, and, and maybe you can talk to this, or maybe you can just say, yep, that's kind of right, and, and move on or whatever, but it, it feels to me like you almost have to be in some of these different stages, depending upon... Um, the people you're talking to as well. For instance, I can't, it's probably not smart of me to necessarily move into these next levels that you're talking about these next stages when talking to, for instance, my boss. Like I, I almost have to shift my thinking to say diplomat or something to try to be the team player when talking to a superior. And then I have to shift to another stage when I'm leading all of my teams almost. I almost feel like there's a little bit of ebb and flow almost, um, you know, the, the natural one you want to sit in, but you almost, as you lead through things, you're having to ebb and flow depending upon who you're talking to. If you're leading up, leading down, leading sideways, you know, you, there's almost this movement amongst the, the stages. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you kind of, the, the point you're making is a valid one. Um, but I, I think for me, what I'd say is if you understand the adult stage development your boss is in, and we'll talk about the achiever later on, you know, it, as opposed to like an expert or a diplomat or the opportunist, if you understand where they are, that will help shape where you can be. Gotcha. Um, yep. So we'll talk a little bit about the expert here. Okay, which, let's go there. So once you get through the, the diplomat stage, you start to realize that, hey, I'm really good at what I do. Um, you know, I've been recognized individually and, and, you know, the rest of the folks in the group come to me for a lot of advice or guidance or wisdom. Um, and I, I know that the way that I'm doing this is good because I get more results than most other people. Hmm. And so that moves us from the we stage of the diplomat into more of an I stage again of the expert. And, you know, some people kind of rib or ride the expert as being a bad stage of adult development to be in. And, and my counter to that is no, absolutely not. Almost every single organization uh, is run or, or managed by experts, and the reason for that is because if you can do your job well, you know the the thought is you should be able to teach other folks how to do the job well. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and you know, so the the expert they have the know how that's central to whatever it is that their organization or their team is working on. Um, they view it very much as there's a logical answer to the problems. There's usually a one right way to do it. And typically it's the way that they're doing it because they've been recognized by the executives as, you know, being able to get the job done. So their way is clearly the right way to do it. Um, they can be a sort of a perfectionist and expertise in how they, how they do things. They rely, they totally rely on established explanations and procedures. Excuse me, and the reason for that is because they have mastered those those procedures, those re regulations, those policies in order to get their job done. So they need those policies and procedures to stay in place because if those procedures and policies change, it's going to make them less effective in what they do because oh, okay, yep, they're not going to be able to navigate these new procedures and policies because that's never been part of how they've gotten the job done before. That's good. Um, 
they they now the expert can receive feedback, personal feedback or criticism to their work, but it's in a very narrow window. And that is typically from somebody that the expert views as an expert in the field that they're working in. So if somebody that they kind of look up to and admire comes in with feedback or criticism, they'll likely take it to heart and try and make some changes or corrections. But if it's somebody who they do not view as an expert in the field, they will not acknowledge it because they basically the person coming to them does not know what it is they're talking about. Yeah. Um, so some of the strengths that come in the expert stage, great individual contributors. These are folks who, if you've got to get a job done, um, and it's within their field of expertise, they will get it done for you. They can come up with new ideas, um, but typically it has to be something that's going to be based off of their experience and then being able to present it to the group as, hey, this is something I thought about that we should try and do. Mm -hmm. uh, their time frame for getting things done, they're not very much, you know, not on the strategic realm necessarily. They're thinking out generally about six months to a year, and that's because they're kind of in the process. They, they're, they're good with the process. Um, you know, they can, they can understand it. They can potentially, they can make it better or improve its effectiveness or efficiency based off of things that they've seen and how they're thinking. Um, but they're not really long-term strategic thinkers. Okay. Good. <laughs> Which moves us into our achiever stage. Um, and the achiever kind of goes back into that we mode. So the achiever is an expert in what it is they're doing. But they've taken a step back and realized that, hey, the work that my unit or my program or, or my group is doing is only a small piece of this bigger picture. It's only a small piece of, you know, what the organization is trying to accomplish. And they realize, even though I'm an expert in the piece that I'm really good at, I don't know the first thing about all these other areas within the organization that, that have a, a big meaningful impact to what the organization is trying to accomplish. Hmm. So the achiever, they kind of open up their aperture a little bit more. They are, are very goal-driven. They're kind of you know focused on piecing all these other things together to get to the overall goal. Um, they're not afraid of change, though. They recognize hey, even though I'm an expert in what I'm doing, there's other things out there I'm not an expert in, and maybe I could learn something from these other folks um, and, and be able to get more information from them, maybe get other ideas from them. You know, if, if, you're, if you kind of use it in an assembly line model, you know, they're one part of the assembly line, and now they're going to the other managers on the other parts of the assembly line to figure out, well, hey, if we did blank differently, it would make it easier for this part of the assembly line to, to move the, the product through faster at their component of it, which could then help us speed up our part of it so that we're not waiting on them. Yeah, in, so, in that kind of what I'm hearing you say from the, from the ministry perspective, at least what I hear, is when somebody comes to me, for instance, with – with uh, an idea. Hey, Stan, I was thinking about this ministry thing. I was thinking about this outreach opportunity. I was thinking about this thing we could do, and they've got this idea. The achiever, the person in that stage, is thinking through this new idea from the perspective of how does this help us achieve our goals? I'm open to the new idea as long as we're still able to achieve X. Is that is that kind of what you're saying? I want to make sure I'm understanding you correctly. Um, yeah, so an achiever, in, in the example you gave, 
Um, you know, somebody comes and says, hey, I have a new ministry idea. Um, and, and they present the ministry idea to you. And it could be something that's great, very grand, very noble. But there could be other organizations, there could be other groups that are already engaged in that type of ministry. Mm. Um, as opposed to pulling people, resources, money away from what New Life is trying to do and, and reach out to the community, you know, either in Chantilly or, or there in, in Lynn Hall, you know, maybe the achiever would look at that and say, okay, there's parts of what you're trying to do that I'm, I'm really on board for. I think it's a great idea. It's a great ministry. However, there's another group already doing it. Mm. So as opposed to me trying to become an expert in this new field or this new ministry, um, why don't you, I get you plugged in with the folks who are already experts in that ministry. They've already been doing it for a while. They're well-established. They're, you know, engaged on it and let you learn from them. And then you can come back here and teach us about what does that ministry look like and how can we plug it into what we're doing here Mm. um, as opposed to us trying to go out and recreate the wheel. Gotcha. So whereas an expert would say, you know, no, that's not part of what we're trying to do here. We're not going to go down that path. Okay. Um, Got it. That's good. Because it's not part of what the expert knows. Got it. The expert's just going to stay in that. And the diplomat would come to that and say, well, I'm not sure the group's going to like that or not. Um, so, you know, maybe we should socialize that a little bit. And if the group's okay with it, then I'm okay with it. Um, but if the group's not okay with it, I'm not going to do it. Whereas an opportunist would say, well, what's in it for me? Um, so, you know, <laughs> Well, we're going to feed the homeless children, okay? That's what's in it for you. You're going to save a child today. <laughs> yeah, and then, like I said, anybody with teenage kids, uh, those opportunist moments really come up, and it's hard to get them out of that. They sometimes. hear that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but we're going on with the Achiever. You know, they really can, they can look at um, competing projects and really set up kind of a prioritization among those projects. Like, okay, which one should be, we should be trying to advance further or faster because we have to get that one in place before the next one can come along. Uh, they definitely have kind of a, a medium to long-term goals can be thought of. Um, they, they kind of think out three to five years. And, and typically, an achiever is someone who there's typically a life or a work element that happens to them that changes the way that they're thinking. And they realize, hey, as I mentioned before, I'm really good at what I'm doing now, but there's so much more out there. They, they kind of see the bigger picture a, a more a larger view of the bigger picture um, than what the expert would look at. So some of the strengths with them is they really do create a positive work environment because the achiever is going to be listening to everybody's feedback. They're going to be hearing different sides, different perspectives. They're actually seeking it out because to them, that additional knowledge could be a piece to the puzzle that helps them you know, do their project more effectively and more efficiently. Hmm. Um, yeah. They take they take personal feedback or criticism with open arms because for them, if if the feedback or criticism can help them do a better job, reach a different group of people, anything along those lines, then it helps them in achieving that overall goal. Right. And they're okay with that. Hmm. Um, they're not as necessarily as worried about the process like an expert. Like I mentioned before, the expert has to have those rules, regulations, and policies in place because that's how they became as good at what they're doing. Whereas an, an achiever will look at those and say, yeah, we need them, but if we need to tweak them a little bit or change them a little bit, 
to become more effective and more efficient, I'm okay with that. I can do that. Um, they're very good at leading those those longer term projects because they can think about the, the organization more as a whole. Some of the problems that can come with an achiever being in a leadership role is that you know they can uh, sometimes clash with the experts. And if the experts themselves don't view the achiever as somebody who knows more about this this topic than they do, they may not gain the respect they need in order to advance the team as a whole. Right. Okay. Um, and so that's that's something to be uh, considering. And sometimes they will cut out feedback or cut out information that they don't view as helping the specific goal or project they're working on where in fact, had they been able to take that information in, then they'd be able to expand upon what it was they were doing. But you know, they'll, they'll look at certain things and say, well, that's not relevant to what I'm trying to do right now and, and disregard that, that information. Mm. No, that's, so. that's very, this is all very good stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to process it through the ministry lens of recognizing the people you're talking to, understanding the people around you, being able to I almost see ministry sometimes as a as a chess match, and you're. I, I feel like sometimes I'm constantly trying to position, get all kinds of you know people and ideas and thoughts and and all this stuff kind of into the right places on the board to get the right you know uh, result and and have those kind of end goals kind of win out, um, achieve those goals. And so I'm processing through this is really good stuff to be able to apply into a ministry context. Um, how, how do you, are, are you using this information? A couple of questions, I guess. One is, are, are you kind of using uh, all of this information just kind of naturally? It just kind of flows out of you because you know the material well. You're using it kind of on the teams that you work with. Um, and then the second part of that question is simply, where can people go in terms of uh, potential resources where they could potentially go and just learn a little bit more about this, maybe a book or anything that they can get their hands on to, to kind of dive into this a little bit more. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of resources out on the internet that you can go, um, pull up and look at, at this. Um, <clears throat> some of the, the resources that were used in, in the, the information that I've acquired, uh, come like leadership agility, um, by Joyner and Joseph's, the evolving self by Keegan in over our heads, also by Keegan, um, action inquiry by Rook and, and Torbert and integral, uh, psychology by Wilbur. All of those are some resources you can go to. Honestly, you know, it, it's, it's like anything you learn where, you know, you, you want to try and apply it where you can, but then you kind of get into the tactical realm or that, that day in and day out, um, just kind of getting the job done mentality, you know, putting out the fires. Mm. But there are times absolutely where I'll have an interaction with somebody and realize, oh, they're in the diplomat stage of adult human development because of the way that they're behaving or acting or, or you know, trying to interact with the group or, hey, they're an opportunist. Um, and I think within the ministry context, you know, if you can recognize, hey, if, you're, if your youth program is struggling with doing outreach ministry, well, there's probably a reason for that because you've got a lot of opportunists in there and they're looking, what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? And so if you can describe the ministry opportunities and, hey, these are some benefits that are going to happen for you. And, you know, maybe it's, it's hey, you're going to feel better. It's going to, you know, these are, you know, being able to help other people makes you feel good to, hey, it looks really good on college applications when you come out and you do these kind of service hours and you're, you're plugged in with the, 
the, these ministry opportunities, the opportunist is going to recognize that, okay, this is something that can benefit me, so I'm willing to do it. Yeah. Um, but most, but you know, again, that's if you're dealing with a youth program. Sure. But again, most of the, the population, so I'll, I'll give you some population breakdowns, and these yes. are obviously estimates. But generally, um, in the adult stages, and these would be more younger adults, would be the opportunists. Um, but about 50% of the, the overall adult population falls in that diplomat range, kind of wow. where my wife is, where, hey, we're not here to rock the boat. We just want to be part of you know the group. We don't necessarily want to stand out. We're good with it. As long as there's no conflict around us, we're, we're fine. Um, hmm. The experts in the, in the general population are about 20% um, of the overall adult population. And achievers are about 10%. But if you look at percentages in leadership, so the, the, where, where do our leaders fall within organizations, groups, and teams? Typically, you have about 5% that are opportunists. And obviously, there's a reason for that, because if you're only looking after your own self-interest, yeah. then you know, you're not going to be an effective leader. And most people can see that and, and not promote somebody who hasn't advanced out of that opportunist stage. About 10% are diplomats, um, which is obviously interesting, because these are folks that are, you know, Likeable, you get along with them. They're they're a great part of the team, but they may not be great at leading a team unless, again, you're in a situation where all you're doing is making the widgets and you don't need to worry about any type of innovation or change, and you just have to keep the group kind of cohesive to make sure the job gets done. Mm. The experts form about 45% of our leadership. Wow. Um, and obviously that's because, hey, if you can do blank well, then you should be able to lead that group. And unfortunately, that's not always the case, right? Because yeah. now you end up with a situation where you may have a micromanager in a place who knows exactly how to do the job well because they've been recognized for it. And now they're trying to get everybody to duplicate what it is they do. Uh, and depending on where you are, what your, what your task is or what your organization is trying to accomplish, that may be a great fit. Um, but again, in ministry... I think we all can recognize that you know people typically come to know the Lord in a variety of different ways. There's not just one clear-cut way to do it. Yeah. Um, so you know those kind of things can can be be problematic. And then when we look at the achiever. That's about thirty percent of the the leadership population. And if you add all that up, you'll realize that you're about ten percent short of the overall hundred percent of leaders. There are three post-conventional stages of adult development. Um, but again, they are such a small percentage of the overall population, um, and, and again, most of our leaders do not fall in those those post conventional stages as well. Um, but that that'll get you your hundred percent. Wow. Okay. No, that's very good stuff, Jody. This is um, yeah, this is really good stuff. Thanks, uh, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to share this information with uh, with me again for the second time. I loved going through it again, um, but also with the, those who listen to the podcast. I, I really appreciate it. So Great. Well, thank you for the time. I appreciate talking. Absolutely. I'm going to, I think I'm going to have to have you on again, man. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of stuff here that we could chat about. I think we should definitely do this again in the future. Absolutely. I always like to share. All right, man. Very good. Well, thanks for your time and uh, I'll try to hit you up again uh, here in the near future. We'll do it again. Thanks so much. All right. See you, man. All right. Bye-bye. All right, influencers. There you have my conversation with Jody Corbett. Hey, as I was even just chatting with him, all of these questions came to mind. Uh, how this topic specifically applies 
to the ministry context, and I'm fortunate enough to live uh, within a few minutes of Jody and uh, able to kind of pick his brain uh, over lunch and things of that nature. But I want to be able to give you a chance to jump in on that conversation as well. If you were listening to this episode and questions came to mind, thoughts came to mind, and you're just curious, hey, how does this apply here? How would I use this in this situation? Or, well, you don't understand. I've actually got this thing going on. And how do I, I don't know how to navigate uh, what you're talking about. Help me understand it. If questions came to mind and you want to know more, please reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter. You can also go to my website, stanrada.com. Go over to the contact page and just shoot me a quick message uh, with the question, uh, episode 26, just connect the dots for me and say, hey, I've got this question about how this applies. And what I'd really like to do here in the near future is actually go back to Jody, take some of your questions and your specific situations to him, have him back on the show to help me answer some of those questions so you can actually get kind of your own personal feedback on exactly how this applies, how it might work in your specific situation, because um, each of us is, uh, serve and, and work and lead in different ministry contexts and settings. Um, so hit me up, share with me the questions that came to mind, uh, what you'd like to know more about this specific topic, how it could apply to you, and, and let's just talk about it. Let's bring Jody back on and uh, have that conversation with him. Uh, all right, if you would do that, that would be awesome. And for those of you who may be listening for the very first time, so glad you are here and a part of this wonderful little community here at the Stan Rada Podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, it would mean a lot to me. Um, if you would do that, you can head over to iTunes or even Stitcher if you prefer that. Uh, you can head over to either one of those places and subscribe. And we'd love to have you come be a part uh, of this little community here at the Stan Rada Podcast. All right, influencers, thanks so much for listening. And I will catch you all next time right here at the Stan Rada Podcast.